0: What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Seen a Nerd. It's the one you've all been waiting for. That's right. Season two of Mr. Robot is back. And we are super duper stoked. Um, so stoked that I had to bring out the big guns and bring on some friends we haven't seen in a while. But first, it's a friend you've seen all the time, and we all know and love her. Her name is Sarah Belmont. Hello.
1: I'm so freaking excited. Christmas came early in July. Christmas in
0: July, man. You don't need to tune into uh, the Hallmark channel for that shit, no. It's on USA.
1: And you also don't even need to wait for the premiere date because I was one of the lucky few who got to watch the part one on Sunday and I watched it three and a half times.
0: Oh my god. See, okay, you sent it to me and I was like, I think I was throwing up for like the 80th time by that point. Oh, that's... That's interesting.
2: So, she said, "I didn't want." Wh- huh?
0: <laughs> I oh t- oh no oh, no
2: <laughs> Matt abort <And>
0: abort <laughs> Let's get out of here. Um, see you later. <laughs> Good night and geek out.
2: Shall I introduce myself?
0: No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do the drum roll and introducing our super duper best friend Carrie Gillette. Oh. Hello. Hi.
2: Hi Matt. It's nice to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, it's great, dude. It's 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 been a while. It has. It's been. been. Well. How you been? How's your town? Is it on fire?
2: It is, in fact, on fire. Oh, that is awful. That's fine. We're good for right now.
0: But it's only a seven alarm, which is pretty bad. Hope everyone's okay. Well, they found the dog, so, so
2: that's all that matters.
0: Okay, you know what? Protect the innocent. Absolutely. We we like that. So, season two of Mr. Robot. Um, so, Sarah, you got to watch the super early release. Carrie, I guess you, you did not, from what we hear. No, I didn't. Oh man. so they so tell us about it, Sarah. So you were the first one, at least in our, in my circle of friends, that noticed it. Did they just release it over Twitter and as a special link? Or was it like people had to like hack into stuff and they found it out or what? Like what was the what was the event like?
1: So basically what happened was on Saturday they aired all the season one episodes in a giant marathon event. And then, and still at that point, nobody informed viewers that, hey, and also be on social media tomorrow because something's going to happen. Instead, it was just random that in the middle of the afternoon, next thing you know, if you follow Mr. Robot on Twitter Twitter um, or Facebook, there's all these messages about the show and say that, just informs you, hey, click here and watch the first episode before the premiere date. And it's only for a limited period of time. So they had a bunch of like dates and times listed. And because I live in Alaska, I watched everything like mid afternoon. So I saw it on Twitter and I just hit the link and watched it and
2: there on it was. repeat.
1: It was on only repeat. the it was only
2: the
1: first part of the episode. Like the it- it it was, and it was a genius move because they still want people to watch live on Wednesday for the premiere, but they already knew right. going into it that they would have two episodes, and they also knew that the first episode does not contain any theoretical spoilers for anything. It's just like, hey, welcome back. Here's the show again. Here's a few treats. and And then so by the end of it, you're like... Well, now I just wanna watch episode two, but I have to wait until Wednesday. So it actually increased your hype for the show in anticipation for Wednesday.
0: It already had invested fans, so even more invested. So that's pretty great.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, first impressions of the episode. I I really liked it. I was um I didn't feel like I was overhyped for this new season. Um, but we all knew the product that they put out last season, so I was definitely excited to see what they came up with next um overall tone, tone of the show is about the same I was kind of worried that they would kind of shift in terms of tone but you know if it ain't broke don't fix it if you're winning awards don't fix mm-hmm. it um we uh, we still have a lot of questions not really much was answered from last year actually so um I was pretty excited about that um Carrie what were some of your first impressions just overall of the first and second episode
2: I I absolutely loved it I think I watched it three times last night Like, the writing was incredible. I kept jotting down quotes, um, the new characters, Leon and Ray. Right. Yeah, I liked the new characters. And I think it was, you know, because a lot, like you said, a lot wasn't answered. So that's why I wanted to keep going back and watching it to see if I could pick up on anything that I had missed. But yeah, it was. I'm intrigued. I have a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, it was interesting seeing like character developments and how they've kind of changed since season one. But we'll talk about that later. Sarah, do you have want to give us some of your first impressions and general opinions on the first and second episodes?
1: I I really like it. I but I'm obsessed with this show, so there's there's no surprise there. And my first impression of this season is that. I like noticing the differences between this season and last season even more, because I was just thinking about this earlier today. It's so refreshing how they're using Mr. Robot in terms of you are shown Elliot talking to someone and having a casual conversation, and then the next thing you know, Mr. Robot just appears in the background and sort of um, nagging Elliot in his ear, so to speak. So... It's just different from the first season in the sense that now that Elliot is aware that Mr. Robot's a delusion, there's this this new technique that they can apply to how his character, character interacts with Elliot while Elliot's interacting with other characters.
0: Right, right. And the first two episodes um, kind of focused on Elliot, you know, being unplugged, so to speak. Yeah we didn't even see him pick up a phone unless it was an analog phone he didn't I didn't see him with a cell phone at all he's not in front of a a, a computer at all and he's uh, picked up this routine on trying to kind of erase Mr. Robot in order to keep Elliot, you know, focused and in control which is like a big kind of um theme I think is going to go through the whole uh the whole season um and went through the whole uh, couple episodes so um I wanted to ask you guys um where do you see Elliot struggle with Mr. Robot uh, for control playing out through the rest of the season? Um, Carrie, I guess we'll start with you.
2: Um, I predict something with like the third or fourth episode where it's just going to snap. Like Elliot's just going to snap. And he hasn't already do see... done
1: that?
2: No. I'm. Well, hmm. yes. But I mean, you see right now he's journaling. He's doing this. He's doing that. So he's still in somewhat of a control of what you know he's controlling the situation
0: he's still in a in a place where he um you know if he's awake he can stand up to mr robot and say you're not real and then he writes in his notebook you know that i stood up to him calmly Mm -hmm. so i get you but you think there's going to be um an even more drastic kind of shift
2: Something really bad is gonna happen soon
0: right uh, um sarah you wanted to jump in on that
1: well i think They're going to play more with this whole concept of a break of consciousness with Elliot and how there's going to be more reveals regarding what happens during those break of consciousness where Mr. Robot has assumed control and is calling the shots. And that's going to lead to Elliot becoming more guilty or feeling more guilt and that burden and also just more distraught over the his whole life and and his power over himself and his own actions. So I think it's going to play out like that in the sense that it's all goes back to what we're not being shown and selectively like being removed from Elliot's mind is also not being explained to us. So there, I don't know where I'm going with this, but so there's our, we, as viewers, also have our own sense of break of consciousness with in terms of this show's narrative,
0: yeah. Right, because it's mostly from the perspective of Elliot, at least in Elliot's scenes.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: it's never from the from the perspective of Mr. Robot. So, Well, I um, mean,
1: here, here's an interesting thought. In terms of the first episode, I was really surprised that they didn't start with who was knocking at the door. And in fact, in right. either episode, they didn't resolve that. Instead, they pick up right at the end of episode nine as more of an extension of what happened that night, then, just when it's getting good, because he Elliot goes, and in that popcorn machine is a gun they cut to a flashback scene. Yeah. Oh, see, I was going
0: to ask you what was in that popcorn machine. So it's a gun.
1: It is a gun. I totally forgot about that. Now, consider this, guys. Mr. Robot has been shown having a gun for the last few episodes uh-huh. and using the gun. So, if Tyrell is in fact alive, and we'll get to that more, and but in that first episode, it almost indicates like Elliot's going to shoot Tyrell that night, but he goes to get the gun. We don't know if he pulls it out. So maybe he went to get the gun. It wasn't there because there was another break of consciousness that nobody was aware about, and Mr. Robot actually went and retrieved the gun before Elliot ever could have
0: so he just put it somewhere else yes. that Elliot doesn't know all right 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 right
1: and maybe even killed somebody else that we're unaware about right now
0: killed um Angela's it's really for, a mind no this
2: show is really like a mind trip because you're constantly like thinking one thing and then a second later you're thinking another thing and then you're doubting and the, the other things that you were thinking and you're just all confused it's amazing right
0: it's um you you can't trust the uh you can't trust the narrator you can't trust his perspective on the story because he doesn't even know what's going on right and i think that's so unique to this show
2: one other Uh, thing that you were saying you just said it's unique to the show about this season i'm not sure if anyone knows um did anyone happen to watch the after episode no just me hacking hacking
1: mr robot yes um, no. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna mess up the guy's last name but Sarah's going to help me. Um the creator of the show, Sam, what's his last S-mail? name? Yes Mail.
1: Yeah.
2: He is directing every single episode this season. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, everyone already knew that.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I I didn't know that. I told you, Matt, you forgot. I
0: I, I <laughs> I'm glad you Matt that, that <now>.
1: Um, I also wrote about it, so this just is making me believe that neither of you read my articles, so thank you for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Cough, what?
2: (laughs) Where's my meat button? What You want to play that
1: game, Carrie? We'll play that game.
2: (laughs) It was in the first article? You wrote that in the first one or the second one?
1: I think I've mentioned it in every single one. (laughs) If if
0: you want to play along at home, you should... (laughs) Uh, read Sarah Belmont's post at GWW.com.
1: It's pretty much like I'm so excited for season two because Sam Esmail is directing and writing every single episode and oh wait, now there's 12 episodes that he has to manage and oh did you know this? They did a six hour table read of the first six episodes because of the pre-production that has to take place when a director is writing and directing all the episodes.
0: That is intense. A six hour wow. Yeah. And you know how dense like all these episodes are, so that's that's a lot to take in. I right. can only imagine the actors right. trying to absorb all that.
1: So so let's get back on track though, because yeah, well, I, I want yeah. I want your opinions on that abrupt change in the first episode where we're in the arcade with Tyrell and Elliot and then flashback to him falling out out of the house when he was younger. Like why do you think they jumped to that? Oh, oh Carrie. Oh,
2: yes. So I after um I rewatched obviously we've already figured out I rewatched it like three or four times. So um you see in the hospital like they take him to the hospital. And you see in the hospital, first of all, they close they close in on a pamphlet And it's a religious pamphlet. It says, God's hand in our hardship. And then you kind of, like, you hear Elliot's parents arguing in the background. And then you hear the doctor take his parents outside. And another doctor is in the room with Elliot. And I think it was kind of to let us know, like, neither of his parents are actually, like, he... They weren't fit to parent. Do you know what I mean? Do you guys...
0: Uh, I didn't really get that. What did you um, get?
2: It wasn't a safe I, environment for a child to be in.
0: I I thought, okay, that I, that I thought of. I don't know. I guess I didn't really think about that. That scene, I just kind of, I thought it was just to set up how the mom kind of is with Elliot and how she's not really, you know, the best mother, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the best environment to grow up in. But I always thought that, His father was, you know, somewhat of a positive influence on him. You know, he's, you know, let him kind of stick around in the shop and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I guess I didn't really think... I guess, going back to Sarah's question was, why do they put that there? Mm -hmm. I thought it was just to set up uh, how living in the mother's house was going to be like. I didn't think it was going to be kind of like a big, kind of like a a plot indication
2: or something. I thought um, it... I think, well, I think it's a lo- to give a little, a little more backstory to Elliot's childhood. And, you know, like you said, Matt, more information about how his mother was. Because neither of his parents are very uh, stable.
0: Right. right now, you can effect. say that, yeah.
2: Um, it seems, I, I don't know, like I get this kind of feeling that maybe his mother is very religious or somewhat religious. And I think that's gonna play a part in this season, The the Elliot we're gonna see this season.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. So, and I see where you're going with that because in, in season one, you definitely got the vibe that there was physical and emotional abuse that Elliot experienced as a result of his mother. And some of the details about his relationship with his father are a bit unclear due to perspective. And I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned this, but that's the same story. We were told in season 1 from both Elliot's perspective and Mr. Robot's perspective. Do you guys remember that?
0: Oh, right, when they're at the um and the, the pier, yep, right?
1: Yep, and that's when we're told from Elliot's and he blames His father because he's like my father shoved me out of the window and then flash forward a few episodes I believe in episode 9 where mr. Robot tells him no you jumped out of the window because you were so guilty About telling my or telling your mom about my condition and my disease Right, right so and I mean even from that cut we still don't know who did what because mr.. Um, I'm just going to call him Mr. Robot kept saying to his wife like, I'm sorry and she blamed him for it which was weird and he took responsibility so I'm still not clear about if Elliot actually threw himself out or if he was pushed and I also want to point out that damn it, I I had this thought in my head but I can put. oh to go back to your point Carrie about why they were arguing over Bill's I thought that could apply more to what happens to Darlene at the end of the episode because they go after Susan Jacobs, Madam Executioner,
2: who is
1: known for protecting E Corp for lawsuits that involve deaths. So I'm very suspicious that Darlene did that on purpose because... Of the lawsuit involving her father's death. Yeah.
0: I did not put that together.
1: You're welcome. Well
0: done. (laughs) (laughs) Round of applause for Sarah Belmont. Good insight.
1: (laughs) Next question, Matt.
0: Mind mind blown, dog. (laughs) Sorry. I'm still simmering on that right now. That makes so much sense. Because I was so confused on um like Darlene's kind of like storyline kind of this whole episode and um like we we kind of see I mean you know I guess we'll jump into what's happening with F Society so um you know we don't really see a lot of the core group left it's mostly just Mobley the big guy yeah and uh and Darlene um they're they're still kind of like running F Society they're kind of like calling the shots it's mostly Darlene really um she gets really frustrated in the bathroom starts crying. I'm not really sure why. And then she has this big speech on like, you know, why are we taking selfies? You know what I'm saying? For a little act of vandalism, we got to get back on track. She said we're on the losing side of a war right now. So it's obvious that she feels like, um, you know, this, uh, the, what is it called? The 5-9 attack was, or hack, was not enough in, in taking down E-Corp because they're still up and running. So... Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think is going to be next for F Society and Darlene, and, and you know, in her crusade to find real success in taking down E Corp? What do you think they have left in the tank? dust. Uh, well, uh, Carrie, we'll start. I with just
2: want to add this quote: In um, when you see Darlene, I, I don't know if she's in a bathroom or if she's in a room, and you see her crying. The quote that Elliot's saying is, "I'm going to ask you to have hope for me anyway. Just please have hope." I mean, it's a longer quote, but that's part of it. And you, you know, it closes it on Darlene, and that got me wondering, like, you know, is he's, you know, is he speaking to her in a way? Are we going to learn more about their relationship, brother and sister? You know, like, what did you guys have any thoughts about that? Like, is, are we going to learn more about? Their relationship
0: as siblings. I didn't even realize he was in that scene. No, no, no,
2: no. He's not. He wasn't. He's not. It's a voiceover.
1: Right. Right.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Because
1: it stuck out to me because the contrast to what Elliot is saying and the image of Darlene on the floor, half undressed, was so like different that you're just. it, It really stood out to me. And to answer your question, if we're going to learn more, yes. I have seen leaked photos of family Alderson (laughs) being taken. So I have suspicion.
0: Family robot.
1: Family robot. And Sam Esmail has come out to say that there's a reason why in the finale, during that Times Times Square scene where a family photo gets popped up, Darlene's missing. That's going to be explained this season, too. So... Yeah, I feel like we are going to learn more. I think it's interesting in terms of Darlene in this episode how, to a certain extent, just like Elliot, she has this control and she's following her own regimen. Her own regimen just so happens to be like, what's the next hack going to be? Like, what are we going to do next? How are we going to top this? Because the enemy we're taking on is still not defeated. And the job isn't done. So it's more of like this futile war because she's going up this whole economic structure. And when you take that away, if you don't have a plan B to put in place, then everything just goes into chaos or the old structure just keeps being rebuilt and reestablished. And
2: what, um, I forget, uh, what's that guy's name again? Um, the one,
1: uh, Mobley?
2: Okay, I was going to say Mosby. Mobley? Mobley? Mobley. He says to her, um, he asks her about where. where is Elliot or something like that, or how is Elliot, and she answers, that's not important right now. Right. So.
0: She has her eye on the prize. She yeah. sees, like, okay, I have to, like, Elliot's not here, so someone has to lead this charge. And we kind of see, we saw hints of that where, she was passing out some kind of like papers or whatever. And she was telling like the rest of the core F society crew to like pass out flyers and stuff like that for that party and whatever Yeah. Um, in the season finale. So there were hints of her, you know, taking on a more leadership role.
1: Okay. I get a question. So what were your thoughts when we were introduced to Susan Jacobs and she had her entire, smart home taking over, taken over and it just felt oh. like an extended scene
2: that was the best by the way I think it was I laughed because you know I'm evil but that was the best that was a great scene because it's just like everything's going wrong in the house every the, the heat the air conditioner alarms are going off people are walking outside and like you see like lights going off and on in the house It's awesome
1: right right see
2: that
0: reminded me of sorry that reminded me of maximum overdrive (laughs) we're like you know never mind all the stuff goes haywire but anyway um what f society is trying to do is sorry i'm backtracking a little bit what F society is trying to do is since giving out all that money and kind of flip reversing like what uh e-corp was doing giving out all that money to everybody um now they're just trying to take out the pillars of who's keeping it afloat so You know, the whole reason why or um, one of the conditions to that whole scheme that they set up of bringing um, six million dollars or five point nine million dollars to the park was to bring out one of the executives. So they want to make the executives feel a little um, rattled, vulnerable and rattled. Exactly. That's what I thought. So I think now F Society is targeting um certain people that are at like you know the 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 tent poles of
2: and we see that um she has she she's late for that meeting because she had to go stay in her house in greenwich because you know she could her smart smart house backfired on her so right i don't know we i don't i think that was like kind of i mean obviously her having to live in greenwich has nothing to do with anything except the fact that you know she's rattled um You know, she's going to be offered game like this is that was step one in destroying her.
1: Well,
0: it's a small step. They they took over her house first because they could.
1: (laughs) Right. But it's also I mean, this whole episode is built around that concept illusion is or control is just an illusion. And for her, the security that her smart home provided her, that was a sense of control. You know the system, it's in the walls. That's how they installed it. Everything's fine. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I'm secure in my little smart home. And then that is taken away as soon as the hackers get in. Then if you fast forward to the second episode and how that, int- how that begins with the payload being dropped off by Scott Knowles and he which was the best moment when he put on the f society mask and started Mm -hmm. lighting the fire light burning down the bills money is a sense of control too yeah and so it's like a demonstration like you think this is worth so much but we literally just burnt down 5.9 million dollars yeah so without it who are you and so if i remove these things if i remove your security if i take away your money who are you oh you're just like the rest of us so I feel like that's also then, where they're going.
2: You know, and we have, again, Phil Collins, Take Me Home, playing in the background. What, what a good song. First of all, Take Me Home. You know, her home is destroyed. Also, money, security, like you said, money's home. Money's like part of our lives. And that song's playing in the background, and it's like a nice, sweet song. And $5.9 million is being set afire.
0: I just thought they wanted to say Phil Collins is so money because what a great song. <laughs> Sorry. It was that was a the terrible perfect
2: joke. song because I don't know. It was just things like that get to me. Like it's perfection. Like I just perfection.
0: Yeah. I wanted to comment too, the like, Carrie. You mentioned this earlier before we got on the air, um, the entire, um, you know, uh, song choices or how did you phrase it? Like how do normal people say, um,
2: it? I was talking. I was talking about the. I don't know. I was obsessed with the songs and the music, and uh, I was trying to find out the music supervisor last night. Right,
0: Captain yeah, just Whale. the way that they in- incorporate licensed music as well as original score into the show. It it really adds because it's almost like minimalist, but it would be it wouldn't be the same w- without it. Um, you know those little pieces like when, um, you know, even in the very beginning. Um, they had that kind of I, morphine sequence where they turned into the uh, the, the, the journal. It kind of set your it kind of set the table for song, the agree. rest of the episode. Um, that was the right in the
2: beginning, uh, I, I'm noticing more these days that, like, quick side note that uh, shows are carefully incorporating music a lot more and a lot better than they did in the past to make their scenes these certain scenes stick out.
0: It makes it way more memorable if you can attach a song to it with the same kind of uh, emotion that it's conveying. Yeah. More than just putting a sad song over a sad scene and stuff like that.
1: Shout out to season two of The Leftovers. They have the best ending sequences with a song. Like, it is just crazy what they were able to do that season. So, but I agree with what both of you are saying in terms of, like, the score and soundtrack and sound mixing of this, because... I've always felt like there's this 80s 90s vibe to this show and through the music um, because there's I just I just sometimes I watch scenes and I flash back to like a 80s movie I was watching when I was really young and most of those are like hero's journeys if you okay. want to say it like that. So, it's just, it's very interesting how they use that to shape this voice, even though this takes place in present day. Did you guys notice, like, only 30 days have passed, so technically it's still 2015 for Mr. Okay. Robot? Yeah. Right. So, um, but besides that, um, were you guys surprised to see Krista and Gideon in the first episode?
0: Yeah. I... Was totally surprised. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. That's going to bring
2: me to something that I'm going to talk about later. Um, a theory that a friend of mine has. Uh, but yeah, I am, I was kind of. The Krista thing really threw me off because I mean, you really wouldn't take a patient back like that after they had, you know, like they ended on bad terms. He basically like kind of hacked her life and scared her and. I can't see a situation in which a psychiatrist would take a patient back like that.
0: He has a huge like, um, breach in privacy for sure. And I was, um, I was thinking like, okay, the, you know, the last time we saw Krista was when she was talking with, um, the dude that Chris he Hansen, Chris Hansen. His name is not, his it name is. is Chris <laughs> Isn't that the dude that's like to catch a predator, dude? <laughs>
1: it's Chris Hansen. Oh, my
0: God. It is not Chris Hansen. We're about to redact that next week. That's so funny. No, <laughs> his name cannot be Chris Hansen. That's so good. So I will go. I'll follow along though, Sarah. It's fine. So they he hacked Chris Hansen and then they've been dating. But he's, you know, he's been cheating on his own wife with Krista. So last time we saw Krista was him saying, you know what? The Elliot guy, he's the key to all this. I have some evidence, blah, blah, blah. And then Krista doesn't want to believe him or something like that. But, you know, you can kind of see, like, nervousness and fear in her eyes kind of while talking to him. I don't know if you guys kind of felt that, too. yeah, Or saw that, too. Like, some kind of apprehension. Maybe she's still a little guarded. Oh, definitely.
2: I think she said a couple times, like, I didn't have to take you back. You know, I'm asking you a question. I want you to answer the question. And,
0: right. Yeah. Right. Right. She's a little more um, heavy handed with a lot of with the information she, he's delving. So, um, you know, I, I think they're in cahoots. I think there's something going on. Interesting. Um, And I think Elliot needs to watch his back a little bit, Um, not let his guard down around her. But we'll have to see what happens, because I think something like they wouldn't bring her back for just that one scene. Yeah. You know, they don't need him to be on her couch anymore. So. There's got to be something at play. Sarah, do you have any theories? Well, on
1: I need him to be on her couch because those two actors have such great on-screen chemistry with one another. <laughs> I love it.
0: Yeah. That's super true, yes.
1: Yeah, and to Carrie's point about like why she would take him back, <laughs> I've always felt... Like, go back and rewatch the end of episode 7, because even though he is revealing his true self of this hacker who hacks people's lives, including her own, there's such, like, this purity to his honesty in that moment, and then he continues on to reveal that, and you know what I discovered when I hacked your life? We have this shared loneliness like I understand you because I feel the same thing and so there's this connection tier to in that moment even though that trust is shattered so I I can completely see why she would take him back especially considering her own state of loneliness and so to go on a few months without having him as a patient and so you feel that much more lonelier in the world and then he, if he were to come back and say, hey, I really need help. I'm trying to get better. Would you do that for me? I, I can see it. And I've always gotten the sense from her that she does view him almost as if he were a son to her. Because in that moment that Matt brought up, there's sort of this defense where she refuses to turn Elliot in. Yeah, she claims right, right. like Dr patient confidentiality but at the same time I can feel it more like no that's somebody I care about and he's not a complete bastard he got you out of my life so there's pros and cons to that so I'm just glad that they brought her back because those therapy sessions some of the best moments come to them yeah
2: so. I, I like how you mentioned that they have that like mother-son kind of vibe because yeah I can kept- yeah,
1: it's Yeah. But Gideon, guys. We gotta right. top Gideon. Gideon. <laughs> oh that dude. Man, yeah, both episodes. Like oh, I just love him. All right. Gideon is
0: I, I wanna believe that we'd all react in this situation exactly like Gideon. We'd be totally upfront with the information with the FBI, fully cooperative um you know he's just finding the facts you know we we uh we're very truthful and you know and and we want to do what's right but dude sometimes when you do what's right you get shot in the neck you know what i'm saying <laughs> man that sucks dude i like Gideon a lot i i like identify with gideon um his character the most i would say out of all the characters yeah um, definitely like just the guy on the outside who has some idea but is not really smart enough to know what's going so, on. so so let's no, let's break
1: this down though, because Carrie, for you, the first episode, there's that scene between Elliot, Gideon, and Mr. Robot. And uh-huh. Mr. Robot attempts to kill Gideon right then and there. What yep. was going on? What was your reaction to that scene? First, first of all,
2: my reaction I, I do have to comment of how well acted that scene was because you know, Mr. Robot, he's not really supposed to be there, but yet the three of them were acting off of each other and the chemistry was there and do you know what I mean? And it's you know, Mr. Yeah. Robot's not really supposed to be there. So it was like yep. am- I it was amazingly acted. Um poor Gideon again. I I feel really bad that Mr. Robot tried to kill Gideon. <laughs> and you know, you have Gideon sitting there like basically pleading with Elliot and then saying like, you know, uh what, was he like threatening him in a way or saying he something was. like I can go was- I have your name in this and I have this evidence and you know like Elliot's yeah. trying to like be like not reactive at all. And like I kind of worried for a second there, like, you know, wait a minute, is Gideon really gonna like, you know, get Elliot involved in this and you know, narc him out? And but yeah, poor Gideon.
0: Well, I was, and for, for that scene, I was kind of confused because um,
1: the apple. When he pointed the gun, no. the, yeah, <laughs>
0: the apple. I was like, that's a good looking apple. That's dude. so
1: distracting. <laughs>
0: It was kind of because you can hear him like <laughs> cutting it, and I'm just like, dude, and, this guys
1: having a conversation. At the very here. end of
2: the scene, you <laughs> see the perfect apple swirl thing. Yeah. Right. And I'm the like, perfect what is maze. That? Yeah.
1: Infinite loop. What
0: you...
2: is it? Continue. Is that what
0: it's supposed to represent? Probably.
2: Because yeah. the quote was, Round and round we go um, into the insanity of our infinite yeah. loop. I may have. A whole yeah. page of Mr. We robot.
1: may have just broken Matt's mind.
0: <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck? Oh my god. Oh my god. Cough medicine is awesome.
2: Oh my god.
1: So you guys were just as scared yeah. as I was in that moment for Gideon as yeah, like Mr. Robot's Elliot, coming over?
2: Yeah, like I thought Elliot may, that may have been his breaking point, but clearly it wasn't.
1: Well, Yeah, because yeah.
0: we we, we kind of see, you know, in the season finale, like, Elliot and Mr. Robot kind of switch places, like, in a physical realm, where, like, we see Mr. Robot down the hallway, but, you know, and Elliot's on the other side of the hallway, but in fact, he's actually standing where Mr. Robot is, so I was like, is this gonna cut to, like, Elliot have a gun in his hand pointing at Gideon? Like, no, they, they wouldn't do that, yeah. so well, that would be very bad form on Elliot's form, so right. I... I was but I was it was still in the back of my head, so I was I was waiting for that moment to happen.
1: Right. And it it's also interesting that I believe that scene follows because Elliot does have the bandage over his head in that scene. So we already witnessed Mr. Robot turning the gun on Elliot and shooting him in the head only for Elliot to come back up with this oozing bloody Gash on his head, and then
0: yeah, dude, he's a terminator.
1: Yeah, and that scene was crazy. So the fact that still in that moment with Gideon, as Mister Robot's coming over, I'm still afraid that Gideon's Gideon's going to die, even though I just witnessed an act that totally disproves that notion. So hats off to the writers for still achieving that effect of suspense <laughs> yeah. for that. But to and to okay, something I've been wanting talk to ask you. you
2: just interrupt you real quick, and then you think, like, Gideon's safe. You're like, okay, like, Gideon's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, he's totally gonna uh, turn over Elliot to the FBI because Elliot refuses to help him, but uh, at least Gideon's still alive come next episode and then R.I.P. But... (laughs) But to go back to the scene between Mr. Robot and Elliot with the gun and the shot... What I thought was even more crazier was when Elliot went back to his notebook and read and wrote, like, he shot me again. But don't worry, this time I didn't freak out like last time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I actually, it's funny because I kept um, rewinding and pausing the notebook when he was writing that because I couldn't, like, it was going so fast the first couple times. Like, I had to keep pausing it and, like, reading what he wrote. Right.
0: Right, which I don't know if you guys caught it too. Like I, I paused in some areas to so just try to get some hints, but I don't know if you guys saw this. But uh, I wrote in my notes that he, the on the front cover it says "Red Wheelbarrow." Oh, like you guys also
2: see that? Yeah.
0: I don't know if the that. Front, the front.
2: Was... Um, it's like a composition notebook, and it says "Red Wheel." I'm
0: sorry. Wheel. Yeah. E- wheel. Wheelbarrow or John Barrowman or something.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like, I. I don't know if like if if that's hinting at something in this episode or something to come but I I I, I wanted to pause in all those notebook scenes and like read yeah. everything that he was writing because it was it was um the scene that stuck out to me the most was when you're talking about Sarah what he wrote you know I just calm I stayed calm right. and you know he shot me in the head
1: right so, so I was like oh. and I mean it's if- Also, to go back to this idea of an infinite loop and the fact that the first episode clearly establishes Elliot's regimen that he's installed in his life ever since the 5-9 hack, what if his whole insanity has always been another variation of a regimen? Like, it's a routine. Because if you remember back last season, there's that scene between Darlene and him where Darlene looks at him and is like, hey, did you forget again?
2: Yeah, right. right.
1: And then in part two, Mr. Robot has a line talking to Elliot about how, why are we doing this zombie stuff again? It doesn't work for us. So it's almost like uh-huh. Mr. Robot knows we've done this before and it's always the same result, which... I mean, coincides with the definition of insanity. So I think it's just interesting how it almost feels like they are trying to establish that. And maybe that also harkens back to that flashback scene at the beginning of part one, because, yeah, the doctor's saying, hey, we took an X-ray of your skull and you seemed fine, but we don't know if Elliot was crazy before That incident or after? After, yeah.
2: And you know, in the first season too, you do get the sense that Elliot has a routine uh, because, like, you know, the way he talks, you know, he's like the morphine. Yeah. So, like, you do get a sense that his, his life is made up of these routines, and they're probably different routines that are on an infinite loop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just like all of do us. Do you think
0: that's why, do you think that's why Darlene isn't really, um, she's not really concerned with where Elliot is right now? Because he's like, oh, he's, he's in his, I'm trying to be normal phase. And soon he'll, you know, join the yeah, show. Yeah, and... I,
2: I could see that happening. I, I... Or the
1: fact that, or the fact that Elliot's living with their mom and she doesn't want to see their mom. Right. That could be it, too. I mean, Darlene also would rather Elliot get better than to persuade him into a life that just makes the delusions that much more worse. Because
0: I think there was a line where he, um, he said, oh, Darlene visits sometimes, and that's it.
1: Right. So with Gideon and his death, did it almost feel like... Because in episode two, we also see Gideon sit down with Agent Gapiro, who's introduced in part two, and she's going to become a threat against Elliot as she's tracking down F-Society. But the fact that we saw him in that interrogation, interrogation room, granted, we don't know what was said, so it's still not clear that if Gideon sold Elliot out... But do you feel like at the end of episode to kill him off like that? It's kind of mu- it's kind of like, hey, we love you, but you served your purpose, so, bam, you're dead.
0: <laughs> so you think it was the FBI that took him? Right?
1: No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in terms of like oh, okay. a writer point Character. of view, it's yeah. like. It's like, hey, this character is really great, but we don't know. Considering there's no more all safe anymore and he's no longer Elliot's employer, but he has all this information. It'd be really easy just to send him up right. to die in the first few episodes after he served his purpose of giving this information and knowledge to someone in a position of power like the FBI.
0: I can kind of see that but maybe he didn't say anything because well the person who killed him said that i'm gonna be a hero tomorrow yeah and i i don't know a hero to who you know what i'm saying like the mass of the people did they do it for f society would the e-corp go out and you know knock him off or something like that so i don't know i guess okay to answer your question It was it sounds terrible. This was the most convenient time to get rid of Gideon. I agree that. Hey
1: Carrie, (laughs) we're getting a lot of feedback on your mic. Okay. Just keep in mind. I don't wanna interrupt what Matt's saying, but yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. Oh,
0: um...
1: You're you were saying something about it be like a really convenient time to kill Gideon.
0: Yeah it was it's really awful to say but it was a very convenient time to kill off gideon especially since he's um you know the 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 killer even said you know you're i i can see why you're you're such a patsy a uh, good patsy for them because you know you are you play innocent well and stuff like that you do the right thing and you know the reason why they kill dogs in in movies is <laughs> to say there's a loss of innocence and stuff like that. Wow! And, you know, it's essentially Gideon is is the innocent dog in this situation. He's old, yellow. Oh he,
1: yeah, God. like they
0: they had to get rid of him. Oh my
1: God, that makes that much more like I'm gonna cry. God, that's deep, right? Like
0: that's okay. That's because I maybe I was so shocked and sad to see Gideon gone because I wanted to see how a normal human being (laughs) like maybe not normal let's not say that a stable human being reacts to the whole situations around him just slowly slipping away but um you know we technically don't see a dead body yeah did anyone check his pulse at the end well no but the neck doesn't mean you're dead
1: yeah but that's like an area where if you're bleeding out i i i'm saying r.i.p i mean they already told us somebody was gonna die in the premiere episode so
0: if I don't see a zombie eating a dead body, <laughs> I don't think he's dead. And I don't think there's zombies in my so, robot. So or so, I robot. Wow, Mr. Robot. What is who
2: does who do you guys think that guy who do, who does that guy work for? Does he work for F Society? or does he work for Ecor? I don't
1: know, I, man. I would I'm I'd saying say, neither.
2: Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I almost feel like the more I engage with fans and Mr. Robot, the more I feel like all this show is doing is making us a bunch of conspirators, like in our own rate of where we're like, oh, but that guy's imaginary because of X, Y, and Z, and this is fake, and this one's working in cahoots with this one. So I don't really buy into that that much. I honestly feel like that was just a demonstration of how the the repercussions for the 5-9 hack how deep they are and the innocent people like it and and like all the dogs around the world get off. all the
0: innocent, all the innocent
1: dogs get get like killed in the process and also this idea that part of Elliot's psyche has to do with guilt and his inability to handle guilt for his own actions so in terms of the 5-9 hack the fact that he was the one responsible for it and it kills people like people like Gideon die as a result of it and other people such as this unknown man comes out and just like for no reason but because to be a hero and to um, be a part of this movement kills Gideon because he's a sus- suspect. He it's it just plays into that whole like political, um larger political game that they're going for.
0: So it might be. I was thinking about this now, and they jump let me like you know bounce this ideas off you guys. So, like, maybe there's a like a radical form of F society that's come out no. where they use violence, like the
1: Dark Army.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, or like, uh, you know, like that final scene in uh, last season where it's that that castle in the middle of nowhere and all the I guess the, they're supposed to be the one percent of the one percent right. that they kept referencing. Maybe he works for them and they needed to take Gideon out now that he, you know, did whatever he did.
2: Right. So I was going to go be, and just say know, with of um, society that Darlene had had it done because... He had knocked. I'm gonna keep saying knocked because I don't know why. I said it twice tonight. Um,
0: tattletales.
2: <laughs> tattletales. You know, I thought maybe Darlene had put out a hit on him, but
1: uh, but how does Darlene know?
2: I mean, F society is all knowing.
1: Are they? Just
0: they're omniscient. Are they? Like because
1: you know what, Philip Price, he's a con man. And a con because he's artist. got
0: the con, the confidence.
1: confidence, and also he's slowly becoming my favorite character.
0: Isn't he the <laughs> he's best? So good. Oh my god, he's like the anti Gideon, and I was like, oh, I hate, I hate and love these guys at the same time.
1: I just, I mean, that scene was so good for me because I'm just watching it and I'm like, you know what? You're you're the bad guy, and yet you're saying all the right things, and I love how he equates. The American Dream as being a con,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, which is so is so interesting, and he's right it's to so a degree because that is what government does. I mean, government sells us on the American dream and like society and how like we're protected and the quote unquote best nation in the world, and all that that's all sold to us by the government. The banks have their dream of like the finances and the economy and those social constructs. So just, I mean, between the acting in that scene and also all of the dialogue, I thought it was so great. And I love this comparison that they did between his character and Angela's, because if you look back on Angela, she's playing her own con too. Which is interesting considering we know she's working closely with um with Philip Price also.
0: Yeah, that's a character we haven't really talked about Angela. yet. Angela we haven't seen in Angela. Until, like, the second episode. She's uh she's running the show, man. Um It's
2: such a stark contrast from season one Angela to this Angela. Like it's almost like jarring.
0: Yeah, how much have you guys seen like her change? Like, I mean you know kind of obvious from you know that scene where she got bloomberg i guess to sign or to do the tv spot um you know i i I just thought it was interesting seeing her character change completely from season one to two um has
1: she changed though i think so i I think yeah
0: uh, she's um don't get me wrong she's still a victim it's still fresh on what happened with her and how much she built up that um that lawsuit against E Corp and how it kind of floundered for a second, at least from her sense. But she's not really—I um, don't know. I feel like in season one she was always like short on the stick, and she's like, "Oh, I'm like I'm always having to dig out, of like dig out myself out of and a I, hole." And now and she's the one,
2: also. Like I don't.
0: Right? Yeah. No, go no, ahead. No,
2: go. I just wanted to add that to yours.
0: Yeah, she has this newfound confidence and. Um, you know, there's a there's a little smidge of old Angela where she had to put her headphones in to get like her praying song, I guess, her pumped up song while she was waiting for the call to to come back. But um, I I think she's kind of like found her stride. She's she's um, she confidence. pretty much called the confidence. <laughs> her, she's her, totally drank the Kool Aid. You know what I'm saying? Appearance
2: is a little bit different too, like. I, maybe oh. I maybe I'm insane, but I thought her hair was blonder.
1: And She'd be slick. Sorry.
2: Her makeup was different, and she's
0: got that power
1: ponytail yep. going. Yeah, it's,
2: it was. It's one of those things where, yeah, you know, there are like you said, Matt, smidgens of the old Angela, but it's like she's created this facade almost, and
1: oh, she... like an illusion.
2: Yes, exactly. An illusion yes, of yes,
1: confidence. Sir.
2: And, it's so and great. it's like she's I don't know, it's it's there's a stark difference to me.
1: Sorry.
0: Very... I feel like Sarah wanted to ask us this question to kind of verify that we're all in the same No,
1: thing. no, because I'm <laughs> gonna disagree with both of you. Yeah. Because I I do see what both of you are saying in terms of the scene at work. I love how she basically tells her coworker to fuck off <laughs> in that moment. I thought that was awesome. But there's always this this balance with her or this contrast of where one moment she's fully in control. And the next moment you see her internally breaking down because there's doubts that are creeping in and bubbling at the surface, very similar to what goes on with, with Elliot in terms of his own insanity, like is peeping out underneath his um, illusion of control and being quote unquote normal. And And I thought it was very revealing how at the end of Angela's whole arc in the second episode, she's sitting down and watching. um, Oh, I forgot
0: her uh, positive. No,
1: what is that called, though? It's um, Rebirth, which is like a self-help series. And it could be considered a cult and a con in in and of itself. Uh Uh-huh. So I don't... I I see some differences, but I always go back to the um, season finale episode in the shoe store with her, and when she tells that guy to go get the Pradas. And so to me, that that's pretty much the same Angela that we got this episode. So I don't know if that much has changed. She's just changed sides of the war.
0: I guess I'm just thinking of her... Her, her kind of her character's like journey through, uh-huh. since since we've met her in the first season episode one, where she's like, you don't need to fight fight my battles, yeah. Elliot. Even if I lose, let and me like, lose. Kind of, like, whiny. Let, me, let lose. me lose. Don't look at, don't look confused like that, you know. And she's like, come on, blah blah blah. Like, kind of like whiny throughout the whole season. Not really whiny because she stands up to E Corp and you know she fires up a lawyer to bring the case back, but. I don't know, it's, it's, I, I immediately felt like she's just putting, she's willingly putting on that mask, Uh you know, putting on that illusion, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was something that I wasn't going to see from Angela, she's always going to be, you know, kind of staying focused on taking down E Corp, this and that, like, yeah, she has changed size, but I, I never thought of her as being the person who buys, you know, the, help. uh, the self-help, The uh, Positive Affirmations DVD volume one. Well,
1: they also, Uh, um, before going into that scene with her on the phone, they do quick flashes of her office. And it's all like motivational quotes and um, self-help stuff. So all the clues were right there. And yet I was still surprised to see her watching Rebirth at the end of it. Just crazy.
0: I thought it was great because she's, like, a multi-layered character even from the first season, and, um, I'm interested to see where she goes, like, f- from here. Like, does she break down? Does she really completely turn away from the civil lawsuit that she got going right. on? Um, oh, no. so I'm, I'm interested to see where she's happening. She's one of my other favorite characters that I'm in, really invested in, um.
1: Hey, Carrie. Do you want to talk about one of your new favorite characters, Leon? Leon. Leon. He's my buddy. Do you know him personally? No. (laughs) Do you guys watch Seinfeld together?
2: (laughs) He's going to be one of my new favorite people.
1: Why is he one of your new favorite people?
2: First, I don't know. It's. I don't know. I mean i don't want to geek out on leon
1: oh okay i thought you did you did before the show
2: but i mean like it doesn't really have to do with what we're talking about i'm just i was talking about how him and i feel the same way about seinfeld and like he's just one of those characters that like i mean he's hilarious like what is his exact purpose like he's me like do you know what i mean like i'm just here to ramble on oh carrie you have a purpose i'm leon you know your value. Have some
1: confidence. <laughs> I'm just going to keep repeating. A,
2: put on
0: the illusion After of this, confidence. After this, I
2: will be listening to my self-affirmation DVDs. <laughs> but
0: um, I am important. Like,
2: right now, we don't know the purpose of Leon. I relate to Leon. I think he's hilarious. And him and I share the same feelings about Seinfeld.
0: All I gotta say is the human condition is a straight up tragedy. Cause,
2: uh. no, actually, here we go. Maybe that's the show's point. That uh, that shit is just pointless. Life, love, the meetings—they're in. I mean, Leon, come on, like you're awesome. It's
0: so great, man. That's like kind of like us talking about shows. It's like I don't know. It's almost a comment, like doing commentary on that. Yeah, like any um oh, good, no
2: I was just gonna say like basically I mean you could compare Leon's thoughts on Seinfeld to my thoughts on Arrow and like the tangents I go on
1: or our thoughts on Mr. Robot in general
2: sorry I said Arrow no no I'm on the wrong show yeah, no <laughs> a- hey and Mr. Robot yeah, hey
1: Carrie talk. it's you and me talking we're always on Arrow <laughs> it's just constantly that flip is switched so it's understandable
2: and anyway, um, <laughs> we, we will mention Ray Craig yeah, yeah character because we gotta
1: mention Ray I got a few things to say about him
2: he's awesome also
0: and his dog, Maxine.
1: Maxine. I got my I one not issue... not that dog. <laughs> not another innocent dog.
0: Gideon's my dog. <laughs> D-A-double-G.
1: Okay, okay. Hold the dog, dog talk for after the show, but...
0: <laughs> Sorry, yes. You guys, Continue you, with Ray. You guys
1: both know how much I love quoting this show, and I think the dialogue is just genius. I had one issue, though, that really stood out for me in terms of the second episode, and it involved the first introduction with Ray and how he's trying to strike up this conversation with Elliot, and they're talking about the basketball game, but really it's just him talking to Elliot and Elliot ignoring him. And out of nowhere, he just talks about truth and how, like, well, maybe it's... The real truth is what we think about things, and that's the only truth in the world. And I'm just sitting there watching it like, why? No stranger would ever go to like that philosophical point with someone they just met two minutes ago. And it just felt so out of place that I have to say, for one of the first times watching this show... I clearly saw Sam Esmail, like, writing for a character, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah.
2: Okay. It,
0: I, I thought that, too, but... Oh, sorry. We're, you can finish your thought. I'm sorry. No,
1: no, no. Continue. I was getting water. I thought that, too,
0: It's it stuck out for sure, and I'm like, I don't know if it was his delivery or what, but then I also thought, I mean, this show isn't afraid to get on a soapbox. Let's let's get it real. Uh-huh. I mean, all of... True. all of um, almost said Philip Phillips. That's a singer. Philip uh, Price. What's his name again? Philip Price. His, Price. his whole his whole thing when he's talking to the feds, you know, and he's all like the American dream is, is a con, you know, and you have to have confidence to pull a con. I'm like, okay, let's, okay. Would he really say that in a meeting? Maybe. He's a guy of higher authority, blah, blah, blah. And then we have Ray's character, or yeah, yeah. Ray, he's talking about that. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, maybe this is, this show is full of just enigmatic strangers because, you know, at the end of 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 episode 2, you know, we have Gideon sitting at the bar and then some guy pulls up and he starts talking politics and phil- uh philosophy with him and he's Gideon's just like, "All right, man, I'm just trying to have a drink here, man." Like, I don't need to talk about all this stuff. And then, you know, it turns out he pulls out a gun and kills him. So I'm what I'm what I'm trying to make the point is that they don't just ramble on for nothing if anything characters who have those two to three minute monologues usually mean the most
2: mm-hmm.
0: um in this show so i'm interested to see because there's still that question about you know ray talked to mr robot yes! without elliot knowing so what is his character what is he trying to join f society is that why he's talking that way so, there's a lot of question marks around that Ray character, and I'm super-duper interested to see where they take it from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. once I'm out, they pull me back in with his character. Sorry, Carrie, go That's ahead. Just a
2: question. like um, Ray was asking Elliot to hack something for him, and how would he know that Elliot did that?
1: Well, I the way I view Ray's character, and going into the season, I kind of already had the mentality that this this guy would be very much in the same line as Vera was last season where there's a mini arc disrupting um the seasonal arc that kind of takes Elliot off course for a little bit. So my opinion about Ray is that he's more of like a quote unquote godfather of the neighborhood and okay. he's doing some illegal stuff that he has become aware just through word of mouth about Elliot and Elliot's skill level. So he's trying to get him back into the game, which Mr. Robot is all for. Yeah. And um, which I love that scene when the camera turns and reveals Mr. Robot. But Elliot's against because he's um, free and clean from that type of lifestyle. So that was more of the purpose and my interpretation, but really the whole purpose of Ray was to get that amazing moment during their second interaction at the basketball game, which FYI, Leon was not out. I just want to point that out.
0: Yeah, why is that?
1: I don't know. Is that yeah, maybe, maybe the watching
0: reason? <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah, maybe.
1: Right, but also... That whole regimen that we go through in part one, it kind of is like, me and Leon did this, and then we go here, and then we go here. And yet, at the end of episode two, Leon's missing from the basketball game that he's normally at, and that's the same scene where this whole regimen breaks down because Elliot realizes that Mr. Robot is still... Assuming control for periods of time that he has no recollection of. Uh Uh-huh. Genius. I love that concept of a break of consciousness. Matt, what was going through your mind for that during that moment?
0: Well, I was just so enthralled by, like, Elliot's, like, I mean, like, oh my god, um, Rami Malek's, like, His facial expressions when he plays Elliot is so (laughs) perfect. Yeah. Um. Because you just kind of you see him like just be just utterly like disdain with him talking to him, and then it turns in you know he asks him, you know, are we hold on? Are we on the same page here? We talked last night, and he slowly realizes like I didn't talk to you at all. You, like, who are you? Then he and then you know, just dives down into the deep pool of like, oh my god, what what other. Gaps of memory do I have? What else stuff have I done? If I don't remember talking to this guy, I could have jumped on a computer and I don't know done something even worse. So I, exactly. I don't know. I, I, I want to know what what Ray's up to. I like your idea of how he's kind of like the the neighborhood guy that is doing. You know, he's every all the illegal activities kind of go through him. Um, I didn't really pick that up the first time. I just think he's just some. Guy who kind of caught wind of Elliot being around and he wants to join F Society. So um, he's not just built for this episode, it's for many episodes yeah. or several episodes. So we'll have to see what's there. Um, did you guys have any lasting thoughts? Any other characters? We on gotta talk about
1: Tyrell well, and Joanna. Um,
0: oh my god, Tyrell I, I and forgot Joanna? about that. Yeah, I, was
1: just, I was just gonna <laughs> oh my say, god.
2: we have to talk about Tyrell and then I have to drop my my theory that a friend of mine came up with but yeah let's, oh that's right yes you gotta tell us that tyrell. so first
0: tyrell love him
1: you want him
0: he is <laughs> is, he, is he bidding elliot good night at the end of episode two is he saying bonsoir no
2: bonsoir means hello where did that me? phone come from
0: uh, that means good night no
2: bonjour is we hello sure? um yeah i took
1: french
0: yeah, I remember like four words. Is hello. it French?
1: I thought it was Swedish.
0: No. <laughs> oh, god. Um.
1: <laughs> no way.
0: Wait, bon bonsoir. bonsoir in Swedish means hello?
1: I thought so. I thought I looked it up last year.
0: I thought bonsoir meant like good night. I was
1: hoping it's, it means good it's but a good see, evening. Good evening. Okay, bon, yeah. bon
0: nuit is good that's evening.
1: What, that's what it means. Okay, it's not French, guys. I don't know where you guys got it French from. It is French. It's, French. I don't, it's, it's not French.
0: French. It sounds like French. I,
1: I don't mean, care. Right Whatever. Now. Anyways. We'll, we'll
0: look it up. Please
1: cut it's... this out of the episode. It's really making me upset.
0: <laughs> no, we are leaving it in because it's making you upset. I think it's Tyrell on the phone. It where says, did, is that where you? Where did that phone really come from? First of
2: all. Okay. Let, let's. What? Come on, guys. A giant red phone. Where did that come from?
0: His imagination.
1: No, I'm, I'm just one. waiting for her to finish the theory. No, I'm
0: just... I don't I, know where the red phone came from. Where did it come from, Carrie?
1: I
2: mean, it's... Got, that, uh, in my opinion, that ending was a complete fr- fragment of his imagination. I mean...
0: You think he's, like, still sleeping or something?
2: Or um hallucinating or whatever but yeah that tyrell is
1: that you got trust issues with elliot i'm just gonna throw that out there who
0: wouldn't oh my god he's our narrator like i
2: absolutely love elliot to death but i'm trying to tell you that 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 phone was there for a specific purpose it first of all it's a giant old-fashioned phone that's red, like, that sticks out to you. That me- that right. phone is gonna mean something. That scene means something. It's not just yeah. him and Tyrell chatting it up.
0: No, but well, I mean, I, I think that's, like, the punctuation mark on, on that, though. Just, they, they had to make it red because it's dramatic or something.
1: Yeah, like... Right.
0: I don't think it's, like, a dream sequence or anything. Yeah. Well, no, okay. okay, are we all in, in unison? Do you guys think it's all... You guys all think it's Tyrell? Uh,
1: that was his voice. Like, There's, okay. there's no, there's no mistaking that it's definitely Tyrell on the phone, but Carrie's arguing that it's a complete dream sequence. I think it's real, because how do you explain what was going on with Joanna in the episode? Man, well, she's... Yeah.
0: She's a freak.
1: Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. sorry. It's the only way I can watch this show if there's established rules. And I understand trust issues about Elliot, but at the same time, if everything is an illusion, it just takes away so much more. Well, like, like it's just, I don't like it.
2: What if everything isn't an illusion? What if just certain scenes are illusions?
1: Like, well, to an extent, parts of scenes are illusions because we have a a delusion character, a character that is a delusion. So I understand that to a degree. And then you look back at the fourth episode of season one and there's an entire dream sequence. But at the same time, I just, to I feel like Sam Esmail, he also sets it up so he kind of establishes when a dream sequence is occurring He has yet to pull that trick Like, hey, sorry, I was joking That was all just a dream He He's done that trick with a character But he hasn't done it with a whole sequence So that's why, for me, when I watch the show I'm not questioning if everything is fake Or if everything's a dream or any of that And I also feel like that is something I've seen so many times that, before That I'll probably be disappointed If it plays out like that Okay. And plus I love Tyrell. Well, damn. I love Tyrell. <laughs>
0: He's pretty great. Even so where though do you,
2: Where do you think Tyrell is right now? Because if you noticed um the phone it gave three distinct I think beeps and that usually happens when you have a international phone call. As someone yeah. who's
0: international damn, phone call before, I did not even catch
1: that. <clears throat> I mean I mean that makes sense considering the government is after him. So he if he's still alive, because I still have doubts if he's actually alive or not. Um if that makes any sense no, at I, all. You know? No, I guess. But um I do I know where he is? Hell no, I don't know where he is. Only Mr. Robot knows.
2: <laughs> he's
0: chilling on an island. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna leave just... it like that.
0: Eating coconuts.
2: Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's alive. Uh, but again, I mean, I apparently I'm a conspiracy um, seeker with Mister Robot and Elliot.
0: Maybe like the final straw to make Elliot kind of like splinter back to himself and not be Mister Robot was because I don't know. Maybe as Mister Robot he killed Tyrell in that scene, but that harkens back to. What Sarah said where it's like, what if the gun wasn't in the popcorn machine? Yeah. So,
2: yeah.
0: damn. I mean, dude. it's gonna... Like, I, I don't know.
2: That popcorn machine scene and also that this ending scene with the phone and the, the the color of the phone and the type of phone it was and the fact that it was an international phone call. Um, something is there.
1: Well, I mean, it also goes back to what was going on with Joanna in terms that she received that gift from we don't know who, probably Tyrell. And when she unwrapped it, it was a um, music box, and beneath the music box was a burner phone. So, and it's an unknown call, so Lord only knows if if he's trying to get in contact with her. So it, it would make sense. And again, they kept showing the news footage about how the FBI and everyone is out looking for for Tyrell because he's the only one they can tie this to. So maybe Elliot was going to kill Tyrell, but because the gun wasn't there, a new plan and partnership was formed and it was to say somebody has to take the fall for this. We're going to pin it on you for whatever reason and you're going to run off to the Bahamas and chill for a bit. I don't know. I honestly don't, but I do I do after that ending and shout out to them because the final epi- or the final line in the pilot episode is Bonsoir Elliot and that is the final line in this episode too. I love that. Love being a fangirl for this show.
0: And it all goes round and round and it's round. An it's mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. an infinite
0: loop. Yep. Yep. It's an infinite loop. So Tyrell could be dead He could not be dead I
1: think it's time to cut our infinite loop
2: Um I have a interesting theory I have a good friend right. Hi Ozzy He gave me this theory earlier That Elliot is Either in a Psych ward and or Hallucinating his mom and her presence
0: (laughs) Hmm Like at the beginning of season with two whole, instead yeah. of going like, to think.
2: he's um he has a theory that like this whole that Elliot is in a psych ward and this is all happening in his mind and he's hallucinating his mom's presence and everything like that. So I don't know. It's kinda I may be looking too deeply into the show. But I don't know. Just, and, there just there seems
0: to be I thought it's gonna seem there
2: seemed to be something off with those scenes. And I think it could, he really could be hallucinating his mom's presence.
0: I see that because he has a routine where, you know, someone wakes him up. Um, I do. he goes, gets breakfast, Leon. lunch, and dinner with the same people, with Leon, the same his, people. his
2: dishes. And you know, yeah, I mean, he, he
0: cleans up, he does his chores. He goes, wa- he watches the games, you know, the basketball courts and stuff like that. So possibilities there. Um, It'd be a big swerve, for sure. I don't think anyone would kind of expect that, but um, I can see where your friend's kind of coming from. Are you a subscriber to that, Carrie, or just thought it was interesting? Um,
2: It kind of made me go back and question a lot of things. So, yeah, um, I definitely have questions as to his mother's presence. Like, is his mom really there? Is he hallucinating his mom? Like, I have many questions. And I, I mean... Elliot could have had a mental breakdown. We don't know.
1: I think he had a mental breakdown.
2: Well, I mean, it's not like he's, like, the most stable person. Yeah. But I
1: mean, yeah. like,
2: you can actually have a breakdown and have to go to the land of, you know, you know, the happy place where they drug you up and you sleep all day.
1: They, they've alluded to that. Mr. Robot has alluded that Elliot's been on drugs before. After previous incidents. And we still don't know why or how he was recommended to Krista to begin with at the beginning of season one. So I feel like there's so much history in terms of Elliot and his mental health that we're just coming like halfway through the whole no. timeline for that. No, and, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to talk about your the theories, because the way you explained it, I think there's two separate theories Mm -hmm. Um, one okay the mom thing i'll buy into that because that makes sense um because in season one there were moments where he was like it wasn't a full-on delusion but he would be staring off into space and flashback to his a childhood memory that insinuated abuse Mm -hmm. so i'll buy into that because we still don't know where she was or how she came about and all that history. The whole psych ward I was actually chatting with at Hellofriend on um Twitter about that theory. And our one the some of the issues we have with it is because people have gone on to elaborate on that theory in terms of like this person is the cellmate and this person is the guard and everything but okay. th- i haven't seen the full scope of the theory where they include characters like agent de Di- or joanna or even tyrell for that matter i can see it playing out that way because it feels very Catcher in the Rye, but is the theory in terms of, like, the whole series or just the season and that Elliot was locked up at the end of season one?
2: Um, Ozzy's It was the start of the
1: season. That's what it was. His theory. So, see, I... I, Okay, that... Unless he checked himself... See, I'm, I, I, I take Mr. Robot th- theories really seriously and that would imply that he checked himself into the psych ward because who else would have done that considering they keep showing us the news footage that the only person tied to the F Society hacks has been Tyrell Wellick.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and I don't know if Elliot was or- in that state... Where he would have checked him
2: Or Darlene could have checked him in.
1: Wasn't he,
0: like, still separated from her at the end of last season, though?
1: Yeah, they were separated, but he also... There's a brief mention that Darlene does visit him.
0: Visit him, you're right, yeah.
1: So I, I could go along with that. That could make sense, but... All right. We're More mean, clearly
2: He's all we're about... on this infinite loop. On I that, note. that like, Let's cut.
0: I just want to see another scene of him drinking Starbucks. I think that would be pretty great. <laughs> they should redo that scene again just like, "Oh, I'm taking meds again. I feel so great." They, they, <laughs> some Starbucks. They
1: kind of did with the opening sequence <laughs> in the first in part 1 where they had um Lupe Fiasco's "Daydreamin' Play."
0: Oh right, it was right. So yeah. good,
1: and it got stuck in my head.
0: <laughs> it's a good song, Lupe Fiasco. Shout out. Um, and, um I guess
2: it was um. Who, oh God, I I feel like a horrible person because I didn't write the, the that um, the chorus that was playing that wasn't actually Lupe singing. That was someone else. Oh,
0: it was like, That a cover wasn't. Of song yeah, that thing? was.
2: That wasn't Lupe Fiasso's song. Oh, God. I feel like a horrible person because I don't have.
0: Uh, you are a horrible person for not knowing everything, Carrie. Jeez. All right. That was sarcastic. I'm just going to go in
2: Leon, Leon myself. Leon.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, here it is right here. What's
2: Gunter Calaman Choir. That's the Very chorus nice. that Shout we hear daydreaming. Them. And then there is another version that Lupe does with the rapping and that chorus. Sorry, I take Just a lot of I take songs. my music very seriously. This was a dream of mine to be a music su- supervisor. Yeah. So I'm a little crazy about that.
0: It's a it's a big deal and and like like we said, like this show Mr. Robot is so well constructed. It's well written, it's well produced, it's put all together. Everything down to every last note of, you know, the licensed or original score that goes into it. So um you know we're huge fans of it we can't wait to see what the rest of the season um you know how it unfolds what it holds that kind of rhymes um we're gonna theorize throughout the whole season so be sure to you know jump on the wagon and let us know what your thoughts about the show are um so i think that's gonna do it for our talk for the first two episodes um i just wanted to uh, again thank sarah and carrie for being on it's been super fun chatting with y'all um if you want to get involved we're um super twitter friendly um <laughs> we're super uh, instagram friendly uh, we're, we're giggling all friendly super apparently friendly
1: people no i i was i was thinking about the drinking game that could get played right now with every time matt says um <laughs> not to make you more but, sit um, insecure about it then, but people would <laughs> then... die matt <laughs> think of the innocent dogs
2: Clearly we need to get like, Everett back on here because the, the like evening out of people getting teased is like we're not on a
0: Damn, level. dude. Because like,
2: it needs to be like when, Everett and Matt on one side of me and Sarah
1: on one side. We need to get like even
0: Like my face when your own fam roasts you harder than ever before. My goodness. <laughs> hey,
1: Carrie, you want to tell people where they can find you?
0: <laughs> I was
1: just going to say that. What the hell, dude? I got
0: this. How come you don't you can... believe in my confidence, Sarah?
2: <laughs> you can find me um, at Care Bear Crew on Twitter. Please come and tell me your theories and let's chat.
0: Uh, Sarah, where can they find you on the internet? They can
1: find me on Twitter and Tumblr at sjbelmont. S J B E L M O N T.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, think <laughs> You can uh, check, us, uh, check us out at thegww.com. Uh, read all of our geeky opinions, comics, games, uh, TV, and film. Um, you can find all of our podcasts on GWW Radio. Be sure to rate. Be sure to like it. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to share with your friends. Um, if you guys are uh, watching along at home with your friends and family, um, you know, let them have a listen. And maybe you guys have uh, opinions of your own. You can send it to us at CENENERD, S-C-E-N-E, uh, letter N, N-E-R-D. <laughs> we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. And we are coming to a- another episode near you. That doesn't make any sense. That is awesome. Um, oh, I love it.
2: <laughs> oh wait, can no, I can not. I end can I have a quote to end on? Sure, yes. I'm late for my church group.
0: Peace. Oh yeah, then you dropped the mic on Mr. Robot. Oh, that's such a good one. Thank
1: you.
0: And with that, guys, we will bid you adieu. Bonui. Good night and geek out.
1: You're or welcome. Bonsoir, yes. <laughs>